Hey everyone, this is Jack. Just a quick preface. We did record this episode before we heard news of the Pacers firing Nate McMillan as the head coach, which definitely came as a surprise to me. You know, they just extended him one more year out a few days before they fired him. So it was strange, but we, we do talk about it just for a little bit, but it won't affect this episode in any way. So I hope you enjoy. Hey everybody and welcome to an all new episode of the All Pacers podcast. If you haven't already, please follow us on Instagram at all.pacers or on Twitter at all underscore pacers. As always, this is Jeremy and I'm joined by Jack and Breezy. Guys, how's it going? Good. Splendid. All right. Nice day out here. A little warm. Beautiful it's not day. too bad. Yes. And a nice little breeze. So. Yeah, it's tough with these headphones on. I feel like when I take them off, my ears are just going to be like all wrinkly. Like when you stick your hand in water for too long and it's like all wrinkly, you get that? Like it's just a, it's a swamp in my headphones oh, you got right the, now. The old swamp ears. Yeah, sorry. They're Austin's mm-hmm. headphones too, so my bad ahead of time. They're very swampy <laughs> they, headphones. And it's 90 plus degrees out here, so it's, yeah. I probably shouldn't even be wearing them, but I just, you know, we got to make sure the audio levels are good for when you record or when you edit this later. That's true. I am very much editing this podcast. <laughs> we really pajama pants. You you do. A regular banana in pajamas, if you will. <laughs> you guys don't know that kid show? No, oh, what? It's, an old, it's an old kid show. Yeah, that sounds. <laughs> I don't think I know it. No, that it sounds was, borderline right there. It was called Bananas in Pajamas, and that's what it was. Wow, how'd they get away with that? Because <laughs> they were yeah. literally bananas in pajamas. In pajamas. That was an inside joke that they turned into a show somehow. I'm sure it was. Look it up. It's a real thing. You can probably. Watch I don't want to type that in. Austin, you type it in. Sure. All right, he's looking it up. <laughs> Oh, it, no, it's not a kid's show. I can tell you that. It is not a kid's show. <laughs> well, anyway, we're by our pool, our lovely pool. We love it here. It's a true bubble day for us today because of the heat out here. It feels yeah. like we're in South Florida. Whoa, too soon. Yeah, we'll get to that later. <laughs> but first, stat of the day. Hey, guys. You may not have had many stats you like recently, but I've got one here that'll cheer you up. Do you all remember where you were March 25th, 1993? I do not. I know where I was. I wasn't born. Twinkle? I was uh, just a twinkle in my father's eye. Well, there you go. Uh, I can tell you where I was. I was in the great city of Seattle (laughs) in fetus form, but like pre-fetus form. Yeah, like two... (laughs) Anyways, a long gestation period. <laughs> it was super long. Yeah. The Pacers were taking on the Seattle Supersonics, who were still a team then, believe it or not. And I got good news. The Pacers won this day. Hey, there we go. In Pacers history. Wait, so Pacers won? I d- those words don't really fit together to me. Well, I thought I would go out of my way to find an instance wow. of a Pacers win in history to uh to kind of numb the pain today for everyone yeah i can't even tell you how long it's been since uh, since the pacers have won it's been a long time it's been literally uh, about a week (laughs) 
<laughs> too <week>. long. <laughs> Our guy we're looking at today is none other than Pacers, all or all Pacers Wall of Fame member, uh, Ring of Honor, <laughs> whatever. Pooh Richardson. Oh, hey. had a. Pacers career high, 30 points. Also had 12 assists in this game on 13 of 16 shooting as the Pacers beat the Sonics, 120 to 117. Oh, a battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was a really good Sonics team. They were 46 and 21 at the time. Wow. What a game. Yeah. High scoring for that era, too. Yeah, and only between the two teams, 23s. Wow. <laughs> And six were from Reggie Miller. How many free throws? 38 plus 34 is 72. Wow, that's almost as many as Jimmy Butler's taking this playoff series yeah. against the Pacers. Wow. Hey, shout out to Pooh Richardson if you're listening out there. We'd love to have you on the podcast one day. Amen. Especially Austin. That's one of Austin's Pooh favorite Bear. players of all time. <laughs> well, that was a legendarily short stat of the day. I'm very proud of us for that one. Didn't go off on any tangents at all. A little bit. Much less than normal. That's that's a win for us. That's good. That's really good. Hey, we're we're tightening up here. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> There's an easy segue from Pooh Richardson to Winnie the Pooh. If you guys want to take it, I don't. I did. Yeah. Well, actually, no, no, I don't. Let's not. Actually, I was going to talk about it, but I just remembered you said uh, we, we were had doing no tangents. So, <laughs> yeah. So never mind. But now we're on a tangent about not going on tangents. <laughs> Dang it. Yep. <laughs> that's that, all. This will get cut. Or will it? <laughs> Let's go to bubble moment of the week. Jack, I know you had a really good week, so why don't you go first? Well, Jeremy, that's where you're wrong because I had a really bad week. But um, what has been nice, as many of you know out there, the Pacers lost. Like, this isn't the nice part, but as many of you know, the Pacers lost in four games to the Miami Heat. It was a sweep. We were hurt by not having Sabonis or Jeremy Lamb and just injuries. We didn't get the chemistry right. I don't need to make excuses. You guys get it out there. But This is a weird bubble moment. This isn't my moment. What I will say is in all the sadness of being a Pacers fan this week, there was a bright spot. And playoff P, Paul George, <laughs> has been so bad. There was a moment I was watching TNT Halftime Reporter. It was with Chuck, Shaq, Kenny, and Ernie. And I wonder if anyone's ever said their four names in that progression. You, do you usually start with Ernie? Who do you usually start with when you... That's just felt weird saying Chuck first. I think I usually start with Shaq. Yeah, makes sense. You maybe go left to right. Shaq, Ernie, Kenny, Chuck. That sounds weird, too. I feel like saying Ernie last gives him, like, the spot of honor. It's like in the credits when you... And, like... The last name always gets like a and with yeah. this person because they're like the, the special person on the show. So it's like a place of honor for Ernie. Yeah, and last. he he's a special boy. Like he he definitely deserves to be last on that spot. So <laughs> anyway, uh, there was a few moments this week where, like for example, you guys probably know this. Paul George came out after the game. I think game one with ice on his shoulder just to make it look like he was hurt i'm sure he was hurt on the other hand he he did recently have a really bad shoulder injury <laughs> so he probably is hurt still it screamed excuse um and he hasn't had a good series either and it's just it's who he is in the playoffs at this point it's a bummer for him i guess i i literally don't care i actually kind of enjoy him struggling in the playoffs i don't think you <laughs> could say i literally don't care when you're having a segment about how bad he's been <laughs> Okay, yeah, I care I care enough to... You care a lot. You're right. I care enough to find enjoyment from this. You're right. And on the, the TNT basketball show, Chuck goes, 
Um, he needs to quit calling himself Playoff P. They don't call me Championship Chuck. Yeah, <laughs> and it was it was good. That, <laughs> that was, was a really good line. Yeah, so uh, I've I've enjoyed that. I guess you know finding little bright spots throughout the bubble has been good for us Pacers fans because we haven't had a ton. It's a weird thing to say because we I feel like we have had a number of. Really Jeremy, can moments. you just let me be sad for a bit? You got the four seed. You said that's all you wanted. That's can you can you guys just let me be sad for a bit? Okay, I, I can't. This let has you been do a that. tough week. Okay, and you know if I only remember one week at a time when it comes to basketball. If so. it makes you feel any better, we were all wrong on our series predictions. I actually, uh, we'll get back to this in a minute because I I want to take you up on that a little bit. But first, what what was your bubble moment? My bubble moment of the week was also with the inside the NBA crew. And it was uh, subsequent nights when the Blazers first beat the Lakers and Charles Barkley brought the broom out yes. <laughs> saying they were going to sweep. And then the next game when the Lakers beat them very badly, Shaq broke a broom yes. in front of <laughs> Charles Barkley. I thought it was great. It was great television. Uh, the new Charles guaranteed bit with, oh, it's with great. all the imaging on the TV, It's they've really – caught on to something there it's really funny that yes. sound is not asmr austin Woo! yeah i can't stand that sound after a while they kept doing it i was like guys stop just in case you're wondering why jack up jack brought up asmr it's because we were talking about it before the podcast oh yeah good point <laughs> you just threw it in there yeah, I did. Out. <laughs> that was kind of inside jokey wasn't it my bad that's okay we uh, brought we brought the listeners in hey now you know <laughs> uh also whenever Chuck guaranteed the Pacers victory in game three. I knew we were going to lose yeah, in that, that moment. It was very clear to me. Uh, for my bubble moment this week, I'm going to pick the 76ers getting swept out of the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Only because they're a team and they're a fan base and a media market that will tell everyone that they're a top team in the NBA. <laughs> and they got swept Worse than the Pacers did, honestly. No, oh, no, way worse. A lot of those games weren't even close. So, mm-hmm. shouts out to them for giving me something to laugh at while the Pacers are also getting swept. If Ben Simmons played, would it be different? Uh, yeah. It would have been closer, at least. I don't know if they'd won games still, but it would have been closer for sure. I think it would have gone at least six, especially Hayward going out. Um, yeah. It would have <laughs> taken Al Horford off the floor. Yeah, a lot more. well, Ben Simmons could have guarded Jason Tatum, too, in that situation. Yeah, that's what they really True. missed. They they really did. Um, and Ben Simmons uh, relieves Joel Embiid a little bit. I mean, Joel Embiid tried to carry this team on his shoulders the whole series, and, I mean, he clearly isn't capable of doing that with not a bad roster, you know. Well, yet, at least, he's not ready yet. Well, we've, we've got the jump on right now, and they were showing a stat a minute ago of the uh, plus-minus for when – Joel and Ben are on the floor together, and it has gone down steadily over the past three years. Really? uh, Three years ago, it was plus 15. This year, it was plus 0.6. So I don't know how, if they were really clicking too much this season, it seems. Yeah, and um, if you're a 76ers fan listening right now, first of all, I don't know why you're listening. It's kind of a waste of your time, but Brett Brown's the worst coach I've ever seen in my life, (laughs) and um, hopefully the Sixers can turn it around. He's got Jim Caldwell vibes. Oh. He's a little mannequin esque. Yeah. <laughs> I also, mean, also shout out to having Ty Lue as one of your leading <laughs> candidates. That's going to be great for you all. <laughs> hey, at least we're not dunking on them as hard as Heat fans are dunking on them because Heat fans are reveling in all the hate they got for the Jimmy Butler trade from Sixers fans, and now they're really turning it around on them. Yeah. 
I don't like Heat fans. It's official. Do I don't you, like them. Do you know any? Uh, well, when we did the Instagram live last night for all Pacers, a bunch of Heat fans found out and joined in, and they were calling me some of the nastiest names I'd ever seen in my life. It was it was funny, but I'm like, like butt face. Yeah, worse, dude. <laughs> Is you can even worse Im- than butt face? Right, if you can even imagine. Is it um, butt face? Butt face. <laughs> Uh, you, that level, yeah, that okay. level. Jeez, I'm sorry. We're, I, we're probably gonna have to bleep that out. <laughs> if it didn't get bleeped out, we messed up. But yeah, they uh, stayed for the whole hour that I did the Instagram live, just calling me names and talking about sweeps. Uh, and multiple times I said, "You guys are laying in bed, watching this for a whole hour, and like you really need to look at your life and say, hey, what what am I doing with myself? Why?" I would say there's a solid chance they didn't even watch the games. <laughs> if they're Heat fans, Heat fans are notoriously terrible about watching <laughs> games or going to games, or living in Florida. I mean, they could be anywhere in the country. You know, sure. not really. They're just bandwagon fans who don't really care. Why would you bandwagon the Heat at this point? Well, you would when LeBron was there, and maybe you just stuck around. We have some friends that like maybe became fans of teams uh, from yeah. farther away when they were good when they were younger and stuck around. But I guess you you do have you. I mean. Are they still a bandwagon fan at that point? Like, a friend of mine's dad is a Lakers fan, and I assume it's because of Kobe and Shaq, but Kobe and Shaq aren't around still. Yeah. Like, they have dogs named Kobe and Shaq. <laughs> I've a Boy, what a what a moron. <laughs> <laughs> Whose moron dad is that? Okay, I want to go back to what Breezy said about predictions, because technically I was partially right on one of mine, when I said if Indiana's going to win, it'll go seven. And it would have gone seven if Indiana won. <laughs> so <laughs> I was wondering where you're going with this. I was like, dude, you did not say the Pacers were going to win. As soon as the Heat won the first three, that prediction of mine became partially true. <laughs> <laughs> but all of our other predictions were wrong. Breezy was closest with Heat and five. Mm-hmm. I, I said Heat and six. Jack, I think you said the Pacers were going to sweep. Yeah, in four. Pacers in four. That's what I thought you said. And I believe that's probably what should have happened still. So just let that be known. <laughs> it's a wild take by you. It wasn't like a sweep sweep. You know, it wasn't like a 30 points a game no. 1-8 matchup sweep, but it was a sweep. Well, I mean, the 1-8 matchup's going longer than this Pacers-Heat matchup. That's true. That's <laughs> on true. both sides. Yeah. But the Brooklyn series didn't. Honestly, if Miami... Well, now that Miami's in the second round, and if Orlando makes it to the second round, does Miami Heat... Do they have an answer for DJ Augustine? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's move on and talk about the this, this series with the Heat. We talked about it a little bit right there. Uh, hey, real quick, shout out DJ Augustine, once a pacer, always a pacer. <laughs> Thank you. Jack, I know you have a lot of thoughts. You spoke on Instagram for an hour last night getting all your thoughts out, so why don't you just rehash all of them on this podcast right now? I mean, it, it really boils down to just a few thoughts that I can rant about for a long time. I did an hour-long rant after game one as well. I couldn't after game two or game three. Game three, uh, our producer Combs uh, scheduled a fantasy football draft right after, so yes. we couldn't go on to Instagram Live, so... Yeah, Jack had to watch me. <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, so, okay, I have a few thoughts about this, Jeremy. First of all, I just want to reiterate, we didn't have Sabonis, we didn't have Jeremy Lamb, and we were undermatched. 
So the Miami Heat are good, and they do have potential to, I mean, in the bubble, make it really far. Like the second round, I'm sure a lot of people are looking at the Heat and saying this might not be their stop. Like they might be able to make it farther than this. They have a great team depth-wise. Say what you want about Jimmy Butler. I wouldn't say he's a superstar. Um, I'd say he's wildly overrated. Um, but he brings heart to that team and um, is it probably the most important piece. Wildly I, overrated? Yeah, I'd say wildly. Um, How is he wildly overrated? Okay, Jeremy. So without free throw attempts this year, Jimmy Butler averages 13 points a game. And effective field goal percentage this year, he's shooting 31% from the field. That's the worst in the league. Second worst is Russell Westbrook with 37%. So... He's very inefficient. You'd look at Russell Westbrook usually and say, like, that dude's, like, the definition of inefficient. Jimmy Butler's shooting 6 or 7% worse than him from effective field goal percentage. Is he a great player? Yeah. Would uh, I be happy with him as my best player um, in this playoff series? Or, I mean, this these playoffs going forward? Probably not. Defensively, I mean, he brings it. But, like, Marcus Smart does the same thing. Couldn't you say maybe Marcus Smart Quit. and Jimmy Butler? Quit. Quit. <laughs> How many times in this series <laughs> did they need a basket and he got them one? He uh, definitely game one. He anything those that two team needs, he he's doing it for him. He's filling yeah. in all the gaps. He's but he's also the kind of player who's going to let other guys get theirs. He doesn't need to have the ball all the time. So yeah, and that's what he's good. He brings the best out in people. Um, he definitely brought the best out in Hero, Duncan Robinson, um, Bam Adebayo, even who um, has just been stellar this playoff series. I mean, what, he's six foot eight and out-rebounding our seven-foot center, which isn't really that hard to do, but... Um, he's thick. He's Yeah, he's thick, but, like, dude, what is he... How tall is he listed as? Because he's probably six eight, right? It's amazing what he's able to do. And he, it's the youngest player ever to, what, average 15 points plus 10 plus rebounds, five plus assists, and shoot 50%. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a really good player. Pacers had no answer for him. Um and we fouled too much. The Miami Heat beat us in a different way every single game, um, whether it be offensive rebounding, um, getting to the free throw line, three-point shooting. And, I mean, even this last game, we we played our starters the whole second half. I, I liked that. I know, Jeremy, you feel different about that. I, I like the idea of, like, going to war with the guys that got you there. They probably did need some rest. I don't think they had the energy, especially game four of a tough series with the Miami Heat. But, I mean, we just got beat and. Game four was pretty clear that we were really undermatched with the Heat. But I do think there's some good stuff going forward for the Pacers. Um, I definitely think Miles Turner having that huge game in game four ups his trade value a little bit too. We won't talk trades because I've done it enough on Instagram Live and on this podcast before. But I didn't love watching this series. But I do think there was good stuff that came out of it. I don't know what you guys think. I thought you said you could rant for hours. That was that was like two or oh, three minutes. Well, <laughs> Yeah, it kind of was, wasn't it? <laughs> I could rant for hours. Do you want to listen to me for two hours? Uh, we're nah. not a two-hour no. Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm yeah. saying, yeah. <laughs> well, I agree that there are some positives to take away. Uh, Turner probably had maybe his best game of the season in game four. Oladipo looked pretty good. He had his best game of the season. He had his best game of the season. He still clearly is not uh, healthy, and I don't know if he's ever going to be the Oladipo that he was two years ago again. But yeah, I think you you covered everything. The Pacers they were just overmatched. That's that's why you get swept as if you're clearly overmatched. And the the biggest thing that stuck out to me, I didn't watch all these games all the way through, but whenever I did, it just seemed like Goran Dragic was getting a bucket whenever he wanted to. He is so good. 
very, very uh, underrated point guard in the league, mm-hmm. uh, because especially because he comes off the bench a lot. And especially when Aaron Holiday was in there, man, Dragic was just torching the Pacers. Gray hair, Dragic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Weird. He's so crafty. I mean, if he gets in the lane, he's going to score a layup. There, I mean, if it's a fast break, like we could block his shot every so often, but just the way he's able to twist his body and find the opening to hit a layup is insane. Um, and doing it over Bragdon and Oladipo is really impressive. So, I mean, he had a great series. And when Kendrick Nunn checked into the game in game four, like it just felt like to me it was over that game even. I don't think they, – they weren't bringing in Kendrick Nunn because of – Anything to do with Goran Dragic? No, no, no. Not I'm not. No, done. I'm saying not Goran Dragic. I'm saying when Kendrick Nunn checked in, I thought this is it for the Pacers because he's so good. And I mean, well, he was unplayable for them. They don't, agree which is with crazy. You. But I mean, their depth is insane. Is he unplayable now? No. He had a really good game against the Pacers. I guess defensively, I've heard there's some question marks about him. I've never analyzed him um, on the defensive end. Um, he's a rookie. He's a rookie. And uh, top three in rookie of the year voting, too. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. like, the fact that they couldn't play him against the Pacers and we were getting beat by them every game is crazy, you know? So, yeah, we were undermatched. I agree. What about you, Jeremy? Uh, I thought there was a lot of things wrong with the way the Pacers were playing. From it, it was obvious in game one that their game plan for some reason was get a switch, get our guards going up against Bam, and all four games – Bam proved that he can guard anybody, and he wasn't letting our guards around him. He defended them really well, and we just kept trying over and over and over again to get past him, and it just wasn't working. Finally, in game four, a little bit, we started getting the ball inside to Miles Turner, and he would beat his matchup almost every time he got the ball down there. But I'm not sure why we're not trying to find him more often in those situations because we got that switch all the time. And then also, just not using Miles like Sabonis. Why are we still having him roam around the perimeter? when there's not another big in there. So it just the way the way Nate McMillan played this series didn't make a lot of sense to me. I thought he could have done a lot of things differently and as we've said before, he's really stuck in his ways and he played all four games pretty much the exact same way and it we that was one of our keys to the series was he has to be flexible and willing to change and he just wasn't. Uh we did see Aaron Holiday lose some minutes towards the end of the series uh Game three, Justin Holiday got put into the starting lineup, which should have been the case from the very beginning. Um, but, yeah, on, on your point for Miles Turner, we should have been playing through him. He's not as like as creative as a playmaker as Sabonis is. So, I mean, it wouldn't be the same. But, I mean, what? He had 22 points and 15 rebounds last night plus five blocks. Mm-hmm. To be able to do that in the NBA means that you're a good player. I know we give him a lot of heat on this podcast and all dot pacers on Instagram, not as much on Twitter. But for someone to go out there in a tight series with the Miami Heat, who are really good at defense, um, for anybody to go out and do that, like it, it's going to be – if you can put up 22 and 14, like you're a good player at minimum. And Miles Turner showed that to us last night. I, I don't want him as my center of the future, to be honest. But, like, he has value, and uh, he proved that he is capable. I wish we would have run the offense through him a little bit more, though, to your point. Yeah, I am hard on Miles Turner just because I know how good of a player he can be and he doesn't live up to that potential a lot. But he improved all his playoff numbers from last year by a wide margin this season. His worst game this year, which was game one where he wasn't really getting involved, was better than all but one of his games last year. 
and I still see him getting killed on social media by a lot of people, and it, it's not really fair. He had a good series. Uh, he just gets he gets uh, typecast as this guy who's not as good as people want him to be, and that's just not who he was this series. He just can't rebound, though. I mean, and I think the big question about Miles Turner was, well, he's seven foot, first of all, just about, and Bam Adebayo's maybe 6'8". I mean, he had 8, 9, 12, and 14. I, yeah, How but many more all rebounds the, do you want it's to the get? offensive rebounding is the thing. Like, dude, box out, get your rebound, and like, if you ha- like, don't allow all these offensive rebounds. There's a there's the a s- only big on the floor though. He can't cover the whole area. Okay. It's not his fault. So there were like, I guess yeah. If he's boxing there are out his times, guy though, and the ball goes to the other side of the floor, you can't blame him. I know for you. I know up. you know what I'm talking about though. Where there were times where he would lose a rebound to someone, and you're like, dude, just get in better position. You can do it. Yeah, there's freak plays where like it'll go out to the side where you're not even close to, but like even the the play or the possession last night when the Heat had four offensive rebounds in one play. I'm like, dude, someone do something about this. We c- Obviously, they wanted it more than us, too, and kept getting the rebounds. But, like, I, eight's, eight's good on paper, but in the moment, it didn't feel like it was a good rebounding performance until game four um, from Miles Turner. So, if if we have two big men, first of all, starting, and this is, like, looking into the future, if we have Sabonis and Turner there, Sabonis can rebound, obviously, but the big question is defense. Like, we're not going to be able to keep guarding these people in the playoffs. Neither of them can guard Bam out of bio as it is. Miles Turner can protect the paint, but Bam can do it. Like, if Bam gets it out on the three-point line, he's going to blow past them. Miles gets those blocks every so often, and he, he showed that he can do that last night. But when we're playing these dynamic big men going forward, like, I just don't think Miles Turner is the answer in our starting lineup. Well, I don't think the Pacers think that either. I hope so not. So, bonus is the guy for the starting lineup. Yeah. If they if we keep Miles Turner, it's he's got to be the in a Montrez Harrell role where he's coming off the bench as a six man and he's doing just as well as he does as a starter coming off the bench. I'd be cool with that. You just gotta you just have to get him to buy in, which I don't think would be hard. And just show him Montrez Harrell and look at his numbers. And be like, you can be this. You really you think the really Pacers would want him to come off the bench? I don't know why they wouldn't. Why would you not want to have TJ Warren playing four? Right. You have to at this point. Yeah. Man, I don't know. That's a lot of money to have a bench player. And and that bench player would be Miles Turner. I don't know. It's a really good bench player, yeah. though. Why would you not want him to I be I want him as our bench player. I'm just I'm You've already said on this podcast you want him to get traded. I'd love for him to get traded if we And get also you've said a couple times you don't want him on this team <laughs> today. If we can get something in return for him, like that's a wing player that we can put in the starting lineup, and that moves TJ Warren to the four, then I want that. I just I don't see the Pacers ever bringing him off the bench. I I don't know. I they just like him too much. It seems like right, and there's no way. Do you really think he'd accept that role? I th- I think you can get him to buy into it. I think anybody in the league, if they're serious about being on a winning team, they you can get them to buy into a role. I hope so. Well, I mean, we'll see what shakes out with Miles Turner. If he's on the team, I hope he does buy into it because he definitely does need to come off the bench. Yeah. But what about Jakar Sampson then? <laughs> what about him? <laughs> if, if we have exactly. Miles Turner coming off the bench, why do we even need him? Yeah. Uh, to go back to what you said about you liking that he played all the starters as much as he did in game four, you talked about that play or that series of plays where they got four offensive rebounds on the same possession. 
I don't think that happens if the starters haven't played 25 straight minutes. Those guys were so gassed at the end of that game. They were barely able to run up and down the floor. It was crazy. If you have a better rested team, that's not going to happen. So part of that comes down to conditioning. It's it's weird. You'd think they'd be in the bubble. Who knows how much time they've had to work out before they got down here, and then they've only been playing for about a month. So I, I don't know what that is, but I didn't think that was a good idea at all. You have a t- guy like TJ McConnell who doesn't get any minutes. Weird. That was weird. So when I've been thinking about this and why he thought to go in this route. We, The Pacers were a team that relied on the bench pretty heavily all season long. Uh, our main bench unit was – a key driver of a lot of points for us throughout the season. Uh, an anchor to that unit, though, was Sabonis, and we lost him. So you've already lost probably the best player that played with that second unit. And then you move Justin Holiday to the starting lineup, and now you've lost another key part of that second unit. So I mean, you I could argue the second most important piece of that second unit. I think M- Nate McMillan's thinking was, all right, well – We've lost these two parts of this unit. Why do I need to play them at all? And clearly it's because you need to get your guys a little bit of rest because those, like, Oladipo is still rehabbing. No matter, you can just tell by the way he plays. It, it looks like he's he doesn't quite have it all there yet. Uh, and then you're asking these guys to play as hard of defense as they were last night. It was the only game in the playoffs so far where the winning team was held below 100 points. So we're, they're playing really hard defense the entire time. It's... It's hard to ask them to play that hard both ends of the floor for 25 minutes straight. Definitely. Um, and I I do believe the Pacers messed up in not playing McConnell, um, especially the playmaking that he brings to the court too. And I honestly think he's a better defender than Aaron Holiday. I don't think either of them are stellar defenders no. at all. I, I just don't get the whole Aaron Holiday experiment in the playoffs this year. And, like, he hasn't been bad. Like, he's shot pretty well in the starting lineup. He just isn't, like, doing anything really special. And I thought coming into the playoff series, he was going to be the guy who lost his minutes because we have shooting and we have players like him that can also play defense. What we needed was playmaking on the bench, and we didn't get to see a lot of TJ McConnell the past two games. Um, four minutes, third game three, zero minutes last night. Um, TJ Warren had 40 minutes last night. Turner had 42. Brogdon had 40. Oladipo had 44. Justin Holiday had 38 minutes. Um, I definitely do get that they were winded, and you could tell they were getting tired. And uh, I just I liked that I, I liked the idea of going to war with the guys that got you there in the first place. And um, it's a bummer they lost. You definitely could see that, like Miami Heat weren't I mean they just kept rotating guys in and against the Pacers like every time we got close they had an answer for us and just brought it back so it was tough at the end um as a fan I loved seeing Oladipo out there like working hard the entire time um and you know TJ Warren too had 21 points last night didn't have a bad series didn't have what we expected fully going in um especially after the bubble or the beginning of the bubble but um, yeah, they were definitely gassed. I agree with that. And it probably was why they lost so many offensive rebounds towards the end of the game too. But man, we just, we, we couldn't, anytime we got close to the heat, they just responded. Yeah. I, I think we, we have energy guys off the bench like Edmund Sumner, but he's not getting involved. He played 10 minutes. He nearly had a trillion. He had <laughs> a turnover. That's all that saved oh, for him real? from a, from a nine trillion. That's worse than a nine trillion. Yeah. Like, how are you going to play that guy? who is so energetic and he can hit the three. 
you're going to play him that that many minutes and not get him involved at all. That's it's crazy to me. First guy off the bench for the past few playoff games too. Yeah, uh, Jakar one shot. You're not asking much from him, but you got to get him involved a little bit more. I know the shot he missed too. Yeah, you you know what I'm talking about. He <laughs> was little, right under the basket. Little bunny. Yeah, yep. the little bunny. Uh, and then Doug McDermott, he had he had four shots. He's a guy who this series, he was a non-factor completely. Uh, he's just completely taken out of the game. So it was disappointing to see that from him. But again, not being able to play with that second unit he's used to maybe was a huge factor for that. But I, I don't know. It, it, was, it was a weird series. McConnell-McDermott duo, um, that, that helps McDermott a lot. Mm-hmm. Getting the ball in the right spot, especially if you're a shooter. Um, coming around, I mean, his one play where he rolls around, comes to the top of the three, catches the ball in the right spot if McConnell's passing to him and shoots like he drills that. He never really had a chance to get into position because the Miami Heat covered him really well, and we didn't have playmakers playing with him. Yeah, and I tweeted this out too. If you you can go on the NBA Stats w- website and look up uh, the breakdown of frequency for play types, the Pacers' frequency of play types, especially like pick and roll and ISO, flip flopped from the regular season to the playoffs. It's they're complete opposites. They were nearly last in isos in the regular season they were second in the playoffs uh it's crazy they were top half in pick and rolls in the regular season they were dead last in the playoffs just completely changed the style of play a lot of it has to do with losing sabonis and he was the key guy in that offense and we ran so much through him but that goes back to why are you just not running it through miles turner well maybe they don't he trust run, him he can run that stuff too we know he can he yeah. has in the past he did successfully a couple times last night yeah and they they just didn't for whatever reason so i don't know i feel like we got roundly out coached i don't know if you agree with that oh definitely yeah <laughs> definitely agree with that it was, that was the hardest thing for me was to watch spolstra who we know is a great coach just be so much better of a coach than Nate McMillan is. Is he though? Because Nate McMillan got one vote for coach of the year, and Spolstra didn't get any, right? And that no, was one first place fluke. vote. Yeah. Spolstra finished three spots ahead of McMillan. Oh, for real? Yes, he <laughs> was fourth. <laughs> McMillan was seventh. Yeah, but did Spolstra get any first place votes? No. Oh, okay. Well, then you tell me who the better coach is. <laughs> Definitely the guy who got a vote from the Indy Star for sure. <laughs> I'm 100 percent sure that's what happened. Look. I don't lo- I don't love him as our coach going forward. I definitely do think he deserved a first place a first place vote at least because of all the injuries we had this season. Brogdon having eight separate injuries that led to him missing at least one game. Crazy. That's your point guard and your team captain. Oladipo obviously didn't come back. Sabonis obviously has missed time. Jeremy Lamb went down. So I think he did a good job. Getting the fourth seed was a moral victory, I guess, in a way, but not where we wanted to end the season. But a lot of it does have to do with injuries, and that's kind of been the story of this season and the season before. I just want to throw a couple stats at you before we move on to what we have less. Here's a weird one I saw today. I'm not going to – I don't have it in front of me, so I don't have the exact number. But uh, Oladipo and Brogdon went on the floor together were like a minus four or five in the playoffs and a minus three for the whole year. That seems really strange. You'd think they'd be playing a lot better together. Yeah, especially with the amount of wins we got. And yeah. we had a really good win percentage at the end of the season when Oladipo was healthy. Mm-hmm. But they were their their minutes usually got alternated, mm-hmm. so you would have you'd have them both in with the starters at the beginning and end of the game. But then throughout the rest of the game, they would be alternating one on, one on and one off. Right. So when they were on together, uh, not very good. And I think that bears out when you look at the bad starts we have <laughs> in a lot of games. They would have been on the floor together. <laughs> so yes, 
which is most games where yeah, we have yeah. a bad I, start. I just I, that stuck out to me when I saw that today. It was really weird. That's something they got to figure out going forward. You can't have two of your best players yeah. be a minus for the season. There's a lot of games where you're watching too, and it's like Pacers are down 16 to four, and then Nate calls the timeout or 15 to seven. Yeah. And it's like what's happening? <laughs> Why are we this bad? We're I know we're not, and then the second unit will come in and gets back in the game. Or like 40 to two. Yeah, or 40 to two. <laughs> that only happened once. Yes. Gosh, who are we playing? I Toronto. Oh my that gosh. Really bad game. Yes. Oh my gosh. Worst game I've ever seen in my life. We came we came back though, right? Yeah, we only lost by forty. <laughs> we scored nearly Which is worse than forty to two. <laughs> scored nearly seventy points in that game, right? Gosh, dude, we're gonna have to look this game up later. <laughs> this is gonna be a good historical game to look back at. Is it a good one? Th- not like fun, but for, just for like Raptors, just like for game. us to be like, whoa! Do you remember when the Pacers lo- or started the game out uh, on uh, two to forty? It run? wasn't actually forty to two. I can't remember what it was. It's good if you're into like BDSM, <laughs> like hurt, you know, hurting yourself <laughs> type of stuff. Thank you. <laughs> Speaking of hurting yourself, uh, with Nate McMillan as coach. It's the only time in the Pacers' history we've been swept in best of four series before Nate McMillan took over. They got swept 0-2 in 1980 in a best of three, and they got swept 0-3 twice in the mid-'80s with Reggie Miller in the beginning of his career. But never had they lost a – had they been swept in a best of seven. And now it's happened – Three time. three times in the past four years. No, no, three, three years ago we went to seven with the Cavaliers. That was two years ago. I mean, yeah. That was three. Two years ago, we lost in four. So we've been swept two years in a row. Yeah, three out of four, though. Really? Yeah. Was Oh, gosh, dude. I forgot how long he was our coach. He was our coach before Oladipo, huh? Yeah. Weird. Okay, I forgot about that. Yeah, because Frank Vogel left mysteriously. And then Frank Vogel, <laughs> or, and then Nate McMillan took over. Man, would you rather have Nate McMillan or Frank Vogel as your coach right now? Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel. I would, too, yeah. But I don't know. Do you know why he left? Was he run out? Was there ever any word on that? Uh, it's going to be the same situation that Nate's going to be in where it's like, yeah, everybody likes you, I guess, but it's time for a change. Yeah. So it wasn't that he was doing anything wrong. Just he's not getting over the hump as Miles Turner said in his press conference yesterday, which is where they are even worse than when Frank Vogel was here. Yeah. So not great in the playoffs for coach McMillan. To say the least. Yeah. And uh, one more year on his contract with that extension he got. He's through, or he's going to be our coach through 2021. If this happens again, he's gone. No doubt. And I don't think they're going to give him another benefit of the doubt if we have another injury plagued season next season. Yeah, probably not. All right, guys, let's move on. I spent a lot of time. I wrote down the contract situation, which all I really did was copy and paste it from basketball <laughs> reference. But I have it in my notes here on my Mac. That already sounds like extra work you didn't need to do. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to be able to type next to it, like, my percentages and stuff. Um, it wasn't hard. I, it probably was extra work that I didn't need to do, honestly. Yes. But So what I, I did is I uh, laid out the entire roster from our point guard, Malcolm Brogdon, all the way to Monte Ellis um, with our contract situations <laughs> up through 23-24, which we have one guy on contract in 23-24. Uh, Austin, do you know who it is? Sabonis. Yeah, Sabonis. I don't know why I asked you that. Obviously, we all knew that. <laughs> but um, I looked at the contracts. I looked at the players. I kind of looked at the outlook of the team going forward because, look, this season we spent $114,700,000 on players. Next season we're going up to $124 million. So if I know the Pacers, 
And I know you guys know the Pacers too. I don't expect it to like eclipse that number. That might even be a little too high for the Pacers too, especially like if we want to re-sign Oladipo. So I wanted to look at the roster and give a percent chance of these players being on the Pacers next year. And guys, feel free to pump the brakes gently, of course, on me um, if you don't like what I say. Um, and if you really agree, just cut the brakes. I don't know if this would be a good cut the brakes um, segment because it's like, yeah, I totally agree. He's 85%. Let's cut the brakes and go. Um, so do you guys want to start with the starting lineup or do you have a, a player specifically? Maybe we can start with Monte Ellis and get him out of the way. Well, I mean, uh, he's on the books no matter what. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I'm glad you said that because – uh, for me, I have him at a hundred percent chance that we're paying him next year. And all right, cut the brakes. Cut the brakes. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, we are gonna cut the brakes. In. I also, this is no surprise either. I have him as a hundred percent chance being a pacer or on the payroll in twenty one twenty two. That's a good call. I like that. Yeah. So it wasn't tough. I don't think anyone would ever pick up his contractor that two point two four million. What did stretching him out get the Pacers? I guess not. Yeah, I don't actually. I have no idea. We should have just paid him. Because what <laughs> it what? Just had who did we one pay? Year left. Like, I don't even remember what year that was. Because we didn't have a lot gotten out of the first round in five years or whatever. <laughs> it was probably should have just paid the guy. Probably to keep CJ Miles around. Oh lord. <laughs> probably not. But yeah, I, I have no honestly, idea. I have no. Maybe they thought they were going to sign someone. It just didn't work out. It's, it's weird that we're paying him this long, though. I wish you could just, like, give him the money. Say, hey, here you go. Get out of here. Can you, not do, can you not just give him, what, $7 million? Well, the thinking is he wasn't great, and they weren't going to trade him. So you just you get him off the big contract so you can send somebody else for a little bit less than what you would have paid him for that year, and you stretch him for yeah. the, all the years. I guess, th- I mean, $2.2 million in the grand scheme of things isn't – that big of a deal but yeah. for the Pacers like it could end up being a bigger deal because of the contracts that we have I don't know we'll see so uh yeah Monte Ellis I have 100% there's only a few guys I have at 100% because I didn't want to definitively say these guys are going to be on the books next year unless I really do believe that the Pacers won't get rid of them because gotcha. there's there's definitely guys who I would never see the Pacers trading because they love them well I'll just start like Malcolm Brogdon I have 100% because he's getting paid 20 million this year, twenty point seven million next year, and um, the only reason he would ever like be gone from the Pacers is through a trade because I mean you can't cut that contract. Yeah. I mean if you cut uh what he's paid through twenty twenty three, if you cut that, then that's eighty million that you'd stretch out over the course of what eighty years. Yeah. Why would they, <laughs> why would they cut that? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I have him at a hundred percent on the Pacers next year. Um, and I don't see them trading him either because he's the captain of this team and he's been a good point guard for this team too. Yep. So there's guys, there's only a few guys that I have at a hundred percent. Um, and it's for various reasons. So next I have Oladipo and I've seen a lot of talk about him leaving this off season. And I mean, we watched the press conference, um, the post game press conference next off season or next off season. Well, even like him asking for a trade this off season, I've heard some rumbles from that from heat fans with air quotes. Um, <clears throat> But I have him at 99% because you never know. I know some people would put that lower. I don't know how you guys feel about it. I I don't believe the Pacers would get rid of Oladipo, and I'm fairly confident in it. That's why I have him at 99%. Um, There's always a chance he asks for a trade and tries to get out because this press game or this press conference post game, he didn't seem super confident about resigning. I think he said the right answers because, like, he does need to have some sort of pool in these contract negotiations. Um, And, like, dude, go out and get your money. Like, I totally respect that. 
I I believe the Pacers are going to pay him or going to offer him the most money out of any team, and I bet his agent agrees with that too. I would say he has a 100% chance to play at least until the trade deadline. Wow, okay. Because if the Pacers aren't doing well by the trade deadline, maybe they look at a trade for him then. just depends. I don't know, but he'll at least play part of the season. Yeah. Well, this last game he played, scoring 25 points, it it makes his stock rise a little bit too. So, I don't know. I, I, I don't that's think... A, that's a classic Jack take where one game means <laughs> yeah. your stock has risen. I mean, it's just showing that you're capable. And you don't take a season we, as a whole. <laughs> it's showing that he's capable. You know, with this injury, there were a lot of questions. Capable of a bunch of turnovers <laughs> and bad defense. Yeah, he needs to figure that out. All right, next I have TJ Warren because he's our small forward right now, which he should be our power forward. I have him at 100%. I think the Pacers want to see what he looks like going forward, and I can't imagine a world where they trade him. Yep, I agree with you there. Yep. Um, and that's the second of – or the third 100%. I only have one more. Um, would you like to guess who that is? Edmund Sumner. Oh, no. Actually, I don't have him at 100%. That's I'm gonna weird. say it's TJ McConnell. Mm-mm. Aaron Holiday. No. Goga Patazzi. N- no. Sabonis? I'm, okay, I'm just going to say... TJ Leaf. No, Jeremy Lamb, because he's hurt. He's going to be on the oh. team. He's going to be on the books next year. You oh, can't trade yeah. that contract. How are none of those other guys at 100%? They're feet? close to it. Hang on. They're close to it. There's just always a chance. A chance of what? Them getting traded. And I don't know. The Pacers don't really make trades, but I don't want to say... Uh, trade the whole team? They, If you ask the Pacers... Uh, the the two players you're going to keep next year 100% like that you don't that you aren't going to trade it's probably Brogdon and Warren right because they'll probably explore Sabonis trades and Lamb but you can't trade Lamb is the point that's why I'm saying he's exactly. 100% so three there's three guys they're not going to trade oh yeah oh yeah true good point <laughs> sorry I <laughs> thought we were on a different page <laughs> yes uh, Jeremy Lamb they can't trade him so I have him at 100% but uh, he got paid 10.5 million this year 10.5 next year, 10.5 the year after that. So yep. he has a he's a flat contract going forward, which is nice, especially if the contract rises or the salary cap rises up at all. So TJ Warren had 100%. Next, I have Demonis Sabonis. I have him at 90%. He's going to be a pacer next year, like most definitely. But you got to explore trades for him at least. Um, I think if you want to uh, go forward with brogdon oladipo and warren you got to build around them well i think that means moving warren to the four and finding another wing player to put in that starting lineup and ultimately what that turns into is maybe moving on from miles turner sabonis or what you guys said earlier maybe maybe moving miles turner to the bench um but i think there's a, a there's definitely value in exploring trades for these guys obviously quietly you don't want to make them think that you're trying to get rid of him but he has a friendly contract and he's young um he's making 17 million next year and that rises all the way up to 21 million in 2023 2024 that's not a bad contract at all especially for a player of his caliber so i have him at 90 percent i have miles turner 85 percent slightly lower and this might be hopeful thinking too that i gave him 15 percent less than 100 percent because i would love to see a trade with miles turner wait i thought you said you wanted him on the team no i you've been flip-flopping all podcasts well that should tell you how i feel about him i can't make up my mind about him I uh I I would like to see a trade this offseason. I think so let me let me make my final statement about this. It probably won't be my final statement, but this will technically be your fifth one so far today. <laughs> right now, Demonis Sabonis has way more trade value than Miles Turner, so we could get a better player in theory for Demonis Sabonis. 
But if we don't want to trade Sabonis, then I think Miles Turner is the right answer. If if Turner's our center of the future, but we get a really stellar wing defender for Sabonis and we can flip his contract for someone like that, then I'd be okay with that as Miles Turner as our starting center um, because we got stronger in a different position and allowed TJ Warren to play the four. So that's, look, I like Sabonis way more as a player. And I mean, he's my second favorite player on the Pacers, so it'd be hard to see him go, but the Pacers do need to find a way to get TJ Warren at the four. So, I mean, make make a move. It's one of them. So that's that's what I have to say about Turner at 85%. You would probably have him lower than Sabonis too, right? Or would you have him equally? Uh, I always actually had them both at like 80%, maybe 75%, because I think your choices here, keep them both or trade one of them. So it's just it's a toss-up for me which one they would actually trade. For the same reason you said it, um, Sabonis has more value, but you want to keep him more than Turner, and you're not going to get as much back for Turner probably. So I don't know what what they do there. But yeah, I think they might do something. And hopefully they now know, the organization now knows, that you can't play two centers in the modern NBA, especially in the East right now too. Uh, the problem with that, though, is I haven't seen anything that says Nate McMillan knows how to run a free-flowing offense that can get <laughs> open looks for a bunch of wing players. He, he could be on the hot seat all next season. They like could not do it too. at all in that Heat series. No, they couldn't. All right, next I have Doug McDermott. I have him at 80%. He's on the books next season for $7.3 million. I think he's a great contract to trade, especially if you're going to package him with Demonis Sabonis. Yeah, I think he's the leading guy for, to be packaged in a trade. Especially after these playoffs. Look, I have him at 80%. That might be high. I like Doug McDermott. I think the team does too. Well, I don't, I don't think 80% is high for any of these guys because, like you said, Pacers don't really love making trades. Right. So the baseline for all these guys is going to be pretty high just because – they're more than likely not going to be traded. Right. And the lowest I have, well, I have two guys at 0%. I mean, we'll get there and you'll you'll understand why I do. But I've the lowest I have other than those two is 50%. That's only because they probably won't get re-signed. As far as trades go, the Pacers, like you just said, we, we don't really make trades. So I, it's unlikely to see something like that. But Doug McDermott does have a very friendly contract to trade. Jeremy Lamb probably has the friendliest one if you're going to package him with Demonis Sabonis, but he's hurt, so we're not going to see that. Maybe they wait to get him back and then make a trade with that, um, with those two, because that's about $27 million. You could hey, figure you that out. You know you can trade an injured player, right? You just can't in 2K. <laughs> no, I know you can, but like... Okay, it sounded earlier like you thought like we actually yeah. couldn't trade him. No, no, no. They're, I'm just teams aren't going to want him, though, is the thing. Like They don't know what he's going to be capable of. They're less likely to want him, but it, it can be done. You said earlier yeah. they can't trade him, so I just want to clarify. Oh, okay, sorry. You can trade yes, him. Yes, I know you can, yes. <laughs> All right, next up I have Justin Holiday. He is not on contract next season. I think with the contract situation that the Pacers are in, I mean, with not having him and a few other guys not coming back, we're already at $124 million. I think this is a guy who we might not see as a Pacer next year. Although um, I do know the Pacers like him, and he was a starter for us um, in the playoffs towards the, the last two games against the Heat. Um, but money-wise, like he's probably going to be making around $5 million from someone at least next year. And I don't know if the Pacers will have the money or the ability to keep him. Uh, you should have done TJ McConnell first. Oh, you think so? Yeah. Because I think what they do with T.J. McConnell and what they do with Justin Holiday are tied together. Yeah, because he's not guaranteed McConnell. Right. So if they're, I don't know, it's not totally guaranteed. It's partially guaranteed, I guess. So it, I don't know what, what they'll do with him in the offseason. 
I, I could see them. I, I could see them moving on T.J. McConnell and re-signing Justin Holiday. I think would be the more likely thing because they seem to love Aaron Holiday a lot more than they like T.J. McConnell. Yeah, which is such a bummer. Yeah. So I, if I if they move if they'd make a move with those guys, I think that would be the more likely scenario for me. Yeah, I can totally see that. Um, it's it, it's definitely clear now uh, how the team feels about McConnell, like as far as like tiers on the team. Um, because, look, if you're playing Aaron Holiday over McConnell like this many minutes in the playoffs, and the bubble even like it, it's just showing me that like you trust Aaron Holiday more in these situations. So I think T.J. McConnell's contract, which is only three point five million next year, mm-hmm. um, but it is not fully guaranteed. Um, I think they could definitely move on from that contract to sign Justin Holiday. I do agree with that. I, I didn't think about that. That makes sense. Um, so next I have Aaron Holiday. I have him at 85%. I think he's a, a, a good trade piece um, as far as um, a young prospect. And he's probably our best young prospect available. I mean, you could uh, Goga's younger, but I think out of all of our youngest prospects, he's probably at Sabonis you could make the case for too. But um, – He's due $2.34 million next year, and then his uh, team option is $4 million the year after that, just about $4 million. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally expect the team to pick up that team option, especially since they picked up TJ Leaf's team option yeah. uh, for next year, which is $4.3 million. Yeah, just crazy for a guy who's not going to play at all. And why they picked that up last season, I've it, I, it makes no sense to me. I, I don't get it. It goes back to... Weirdly, Nate McMillan really likes the guy, <laughs> and he <laughs> wants to make it work, even though it's prov- he's been proven over and over again it's not going to work. So I, I don't know. But, yeah, Aaron Holiday, he is in that zone of you're only making $2.3 They're not going to get rid of you for that. They're probably going to pick you up next season because you're a pretty good guard on a $4 million contract. You can't really beat that. So. Right. And a confident yeah. guard, too, who can hit shots. Um, but I do think – teams might want to try to trade for him or if you're sending Sabonis or Turner somewhere I think he's a piece that sweetens that deal a little bit Mm -hmm. next up I have TJ McConnell which we talked about I mean he got 3.5 million this year 3.5 next year it's not guaranteed he could be someone who's gone I have him at 75 percent yep um that's one of the lower ones. Goga Batad, they have a 95% chance. No you should have put him at 100. Yeah that that was a tough one I put him really high I mean I don't have a lot of 95s I don't know. I don't think he has a lot of trade value, and <laughs> he's there. He's a guy they believe in. They're gonna stick with him for a while yeah. at least. There's always teams that like look at these guys ahead of time in the draft, and will like even if they have a bad first year, they'll go back and try to explore a trade with them. Well, if there was a team that would do that, it would have been the Pacers, but <laughs> we drafted him, <laughs> and the Spurs passed on him too. So, so it, he's you know the Spurs were interested in if him. If you too. say Demar Derozan, I will walk over there and punch <laughs> you in the face. No, I wasn't even thinking about that. You actually you said, said that. the Spurs. That's who you were. Well, thinking they were of. interested in him in the draft, is what I was yeah, saying. Because yeah, the yeah. Pacers were. Hey, whatever you say, man. Remember when? Go- we all know what you're thinking. <laughs> no, get out of here. You thought it. <laughs> so I have him at 95. percent There is a. I mean, it's probably 100 percent chance he's due three million next year, like you said. Um, and then he has two more team option years after that because yep. he's a first round pick. Um which would be $3 million, and then the year after that would be close to $5 million. He's another guy like Aaron Holiday. Well, not like Aaron Holiday because Goga doesn't have as much trade value as Aaron Holiday does, but he's another guy who's young, and a team could look at him and say, hey, we really liked him in the draft. We didn't get a chance to pick him, um, and I think he'd fit our team better than the Pacers, and we might get to see what he's capable of. So he might be someone that could sweeten the deal a little bit more. I don't, I don't know why a team would do that, though. Um, so I'm at 95%. Next, I have TJ Leaf at 75% chance because 
I believe he has zero trade value. <laughs> and he's on the books next year for um, $4.3 million. I can't imagine a team trades for him. But I think the Pacers are going to try to move him somehow. They're going to try something. They need to do something. Look to waive him, maybe. Maybe look to trade him. Just get him off the books as early as you can because he's zero value on yeah. that contract. I, I believe if the Pacers could get rid of him, they they would. Like, if he was a free agent this year, there's no way we're resigning him, right? No. So, uh, they're just kind of stuck to that $4 million contract for a guy where, like, there's so many players in the league who are making $4 million who have way more value than him. Yeah. And for salaries to match up. Say, and for example, Justin Holiday. <laughs> for example, Justin Holiday Or TJ McConnell, who's making less than TJ Leaf. Yeah. Um, so, not this year, but next year he will be. Surprisingly, TJ Leaf made uh, less money than a good amount of these guys uh, last year. He made less money than Goga Batadze this season. You mean more money? No, he made less than Goga this season. Uh, by oh, this 3, season. Yeah. By 3000 I thought you meant last Oh, no, season. sorry. Uh, TJ Leaf made $3,000 less than Goga Batadze this season. Weird. Yep. Um, so I have him at 75%. Next, I have er- uh, Edmund Sumner at 85% because he's shown that he is a good player. He's quick. Um, he can get to the rim. And uh, is he's usually, like, a good floater on defense. Um, he didn't really, like, help me out there at all with that statement against the Heat when he got matched up against Jimmy Butler. I mean, it's a superstar player, and you're tiny. So, uh, hang on all a right. second. <laughs> Jimmy <laughs> we Butler gotta go back. is or isn't a superstar. Oh, shoot. Did I just whole, say superstar? You had oh, a my whole segment. gosh, dude. I did not mean to say that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you did mean to say it. You clearly meant to. Freudian slip. And I wanted to it say this. Hang on. Let's Dang to, it, dude. We need to pause real quick. Okay. I wanted to say this earlier. No, don't oh, pause, don't, don't pause this. Okay. I wanted to say this earlier. Why are you trying to make the best player sound worse than he is after we got swept by them? Because I'm butthurt, okay? We need to make him sound like he's the best player in the NBA so it doesn't hurt Right. The heat better you win the championship. You're right. You went around this completely the wrong way. Dang it, dude. I can't believe you guys just won with that. Well, we didn't have to try hard. You really, yeah. I know. I lost us. it. It's like that question: like, did this, did they win or did they lose? And I lost. You guys, you guys didn't even win. Right. And I the question lost. of did they win or did they lose? Jack lost. Yes. Every time. No. <laughs> unfair, dude. Jack Brown, unfair. certified loser. No, unfair. What a butt face. Not a, not a superstar. According to the numbers. Okay. Next up, I well, I had Edmund Summer eighty-five. He made $2 million this year, and then he's around $2 million the next two years. Has a team option in his third year, which would be 2021-2022. Hang on. I don't think they would move off of him. He's a guy I think they're going to integrate into a few more minutes this season, and they won't be looking to move him because they want to see if he'd be an asset moving forward. Yeah, finally, they gave it a shot, right? Took him long enough. Uh, took him till the playoffs just about. Well, that's if they do, if they <laughs> listen to me next if season. If they listen to you. <laughs> I mean, he was the first guy off the bench this whole playoff series, so that should tell us something. I mean, if we have Jeremy Lamb, that's going to change. But next, I have Jakar Sampson, who made $1.7 million this year. Not on contract next season. I doubt he's going to be a pacer next season. Yeah, it's a zero. I have him at 50%. No, that's a zero. Because you might get him for nope, a veteran's they're minimum. Not, they're not re-signing <laughs> him. Someone's going to pick him up and give him more than, a, than the veteran's yeah, minimum. No, he'll get picked up somewhere. He's, he played pretty well this year. Yeah. But, uh, I don't think it'll be with us. And that one hurts because I really like Jakar Sampson. How, how do you feel about him? Uh, I liked him too. I just I don't think there's a spot for him on this roster. I would rather have someone else going forward. I know Austin's like, dude, get him out of town. Let's get rid of Jakar Sampson yesterday. 
Yeah, no more missed dunks. <laughs> also, if I can rewind real quick, with even with Jeremy Lamb, Edmund Sumner would still be the first player off the bench because Jeremy Lamb would go back into that starting position if we're playing Warren at the four. Hopefully. Which is what they need to do. Yes, so. what they need to do, yes. Next, I have Alizé Johnson, who is not on contract next season, so yeah, you'll probably say 100%. A zero. Or, I mean, a 0%. Yeah, I'll say 100. A zero. I have him at 50%, too, just... But you're probably surprised right. you didn't have him at 100. <laughs> Alize? I assume you want them to sign him to. You like mean a, our best center on the like Pacers? Thirty million dollar contract, so he can get 17 <laughs> rebounds one game next year. Yes. Um, we never we never got to see the full Alize Johnson experiment coming to fruition. I think. Yeah, we you're saw right. It. He got 17 rebounds. Good point. Yeah, and then one three, <laughs> and that was it. So him and Sampson are two guys who we just really don't believe are going to be Pacers next year. There's basically a 0% chance. I think there's two more guys we think that'll be Oh, Pacers yeah, two more guys. Less. Yes, yes. Which I have these two at 0%. Uh, Jeremy's favorite Louisville player of all time, Brian Bowen, the third. Mm-hmm. Um, I have him at 0%. And I have Nas Mitru Long at 0% as well. I would put Nas at 1%. Oh, wow. You know, actually, maybe both of those guys at 1%, maybe they get signed by the Fire Ants and they get called up at some point next season. <laughs> or the Mad Ants. Yeah, I don't know why I called them <laughs> the Fire Ants. I like that, though. Fire Ants is kind of cool. Well, Fort Wayne Fire Ants does sound better than Fort Wayne Mad Ants. It actually ants. does. Yeah. They did change the color scheme recently to red, so they look more like Fire Ants. Well, they alternate jerseys. They're still blue and gold, but they, they alternate. They have these like jerseys where there's like, a ton of little pictures of teddy bears all over the jersey. It's like a rainbow color. It's the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, their jerseys they experiment with are What do you miserable. have against rainbows? Or the teddy bears. Th- I got to show you guys these this picture at one point. We'll, we'll do it after the podcast. But I'm telling you, the the, the jerseys they choose are just bad. <laughs> bad. Well, I'll, I'll, we'll go through them later. But So, yeah, I don't expect Brian Bowen and Nazmi True Long to be on the team. Jeremy said they're 1% each. And you also said Samson and Alizé Johnson are 0%. But that's because you think other teams will pick them up. Uh, Well, I, I would put Alizé in the same boat as Bowen and Mitchell Long with a 1%. Maybe they're... On the Mad Ants, and they get called up at some point. Yeah. But or the J- Fire Ants. Yeah, but J- <laughs> Jakar will be gone. Yeah, I think he will. That's Yeah, I think if we can be confident about any of these guys not being a pacer next year, it's Jakar Sampson. Um, just, you know, he's going to get $5 million to play somewhere next year. And probably not for a Well, also Alizé Johnson, Brian Bowen, and Nazmutru Long. But also maybe they'd be part of the Mad Ants. Yeah, some, something like there is there's at least a sliver of so a chance we'll see them next year. So out of the Pacers, but in the organization. <laughs> oh, you think there's out of the NBA completely? Because I could see a team picking up Nas, right? I mean, s- same deal. He'll, he'll be a G League guy yeah. that maybe gets called up. but And he's 27 or 28. Yeah, he's 27. Yeah, there's – look, teams aren't going to put – I don't think anyone's going to say he's a two-way player anymore. No, the only chance with those three guys are G League contract or Serbia. Get it called up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's our roster. Like I said, Monte Ellis 100%. I've, I have him at the very bottom of this list, obviously. But I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Do you, do you agree with most of this? I, I know we talked about this throughout. but Yeah, I was pretty much on board with everything you said there. Yeah. You, you were definitely more drastic with some of your percentages, saying 0%. I, I did the minimum, basically 50%, and then 0% for our two-way guys. But, yeah, yeah I, I think we see eye-to-eye on who we think are definitely going to be Pacers and who probably won't be Pacers mm-hmm. next year. Um, and I bet the Pacers feel the same way about that, too. So we'll, we'll see how everything shakes out. I don't know who the free agents are um, that like the Pacers are targeting right now. We'll, we'll definitely have to look for that um, and talk to some of our sources going forward. But um, they're going to be cheap, whoever they are. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably going to be veterans minimum because we uh, 
don't have a lot of money next year. Nope. Hey, it's a really good time for your owner to be in the shopping mall business because shopping malls are really popping off right now <laughs> with this coronavirus. <laughs> oh, yep. wait a second. No, they're not. Herb Simon owns he's, he's probably of shopping a malls. Ton of money he's losing right now. He's oh, not be doing well. Oh, besides hey, the great fact point. That I didn't think about them losing money. I thought you were saying like people are being dumb and going to shopping malls, and I'm like, I haven't been to a shopping mall. There's a lizard. I see a lizard. Is oh. that a good or a bad omen? I don't know. It's blue. Oh, blue and gold. Actually, and, it had gold and on it. Now <laughs> it's in your house. <laughs> so congratulations. Is it really? It, it just went in the wall. It's definitely in your crawl space at minimum. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Oh, he yeah. There's a, like a crevice between the pavement, right? Not not pavement. Well, but at worst, concrete. It's in your house. At best, you have a new pet. True. So you might have a pet lizard now. That's fine. It could be Godzilla someday. All right. Hey, real quick before we close this out. Hey, I've seen a lot of negativity out there. A lot of people really down in the paces right now. I just want to say, hey, stay positive. This was a great season, considering everything that we went through. There's the virus whole lot of injuries they still had finished with the four seed had a lot of wins it didn't end the way everybody wanted to but hey it was still a good season it was a fun season so just focus on that happy stuff don't get caught up in being all negative all the time yeah and just to add to that too like monte ellis had a bad year for the pacers and (laughs) just not not a good season not being negative again yeah it's negative not sorry i meant the cards just weren't Delts in our favor. I don't even know what the saying is. <laughs> Jack obviously is having a hard time with being positive. No, go Pacers. Let's do it. There he is. Yeah, well, I'm back. <laughs> hey, well, we'll be back soon with uh, more off-season news and stuff. Uh, no more games, sadly. <laughs> but well, I mean, not for the Pacers. Not for the Pacers. For other, the Heat, yes. Lots of other games. Well, I'm not watching any more basketball. All right, there's that negativity again. <laughs> Hey, stay tuned here to this channel. We'll have all sorts of more stuff coming for you this offseason. See you later. Peace out. It's all about team basketball. It's all about playing the game the right way. The name on the front of the jersey is more important than that name on the back of the jersey. You play for the Indiana Pacers. That's who you represent.